It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Through Their Eyes, our special series featuring Utah teenagers discussing current events on Utah's Morning News with Tim and Amanda. It's a pleasure to have a chance to sit down with three of Utah's young people and get their opinions on the important issues of the week and of the year. And this week in studio, Jamie is with me, along with Tyson and Brigham. Welcome to all three of you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for coming. I want to start, I guess, uh, with... This week, and I'm, I'm handicapping you a little bit because we're recording this program, I should disclose, on Tuesday, which is the day of the Democratic debate. But I would like to get your thoughts on uh, Elizabeth Warren leading the polls going into this debate, at least according to some of the polls. And there are some issues around these candidates. We see um, some you know, fog around Joe Biden because of the allegations around his son. Um, you know, we saw uh, some, some question marks around Bernie Sanders because of his heart attack recently, and hopefully he's doing well. But as we're going into this debate, and of course, we'll hear this later uh, for most people, but what are your thoughts? I guess I'll I'll start with you and and find out what you think about this, Jamie. Wonderful. I mean, since we haven't been able to hear the debate yet, I honestly don't have that many thoughts about it. Um, I'm a Republican like myself, um, and so I really enjoy watching different debates, and I really enjoy seeing more opinions and everything, but I honestly don't have a super strong opinion about this. Will you watch it? Of course I'll watch it, yes. I definitely want to watch it. I definitely want to gain more understanding and more knowledge. I think the most interesting thing to me is all the different allegations going on and all the different fog because politics, in my opinion, has now gone so much further than politics and it goes so deep into each individual's personal life and there's a lot of different aspects of politics and so I think when voting for a candidate, we have to keep in mind not only their political stance now but their their personal values and principles and morals and I really think that this debate just gave me that little reminder of staying focused on candidates, not necessarily their private lives, but their morals and their principles and how they apply that. Is it a good thing that we go deep into their personal lives? I think in some ways, yes. And I think in some ways, no. Um, And that's a pretty vague answer. Mm. But I think that everyone deserves a right to privacy. And I think that everyone has personal issues, which they should be allowed to handle as an individual. Because when you're put in the limelight, it's so easy to be dehumanized and to be viewed as almost just this figment of an ima- of our imagination. And I think we see this with politicians and celebrities, especially. However, I do think that there, if there are, you know, allegations of a legal nature in the past or in the present, then those are things that the people should know. I also think that the health of a future candidate is also important because you want to be able to ensure that they're able to perform their duties well. But when it comes to the personal, you know, family issues or personal more just a very home-like nature, I think that we need to respect that privacy. Tyson, what do you make of this? So um, I was just, when I was reading the article, uh, something that I was thinking of that I have uh, been wondering as how exactly how democratic or like how far um, left she is um, compared Moore. yeah yeah compared to uh, Joe Biden and the thing that I think is might be I guess concerning for if she's actually chosen to be uh, running for the Democratic Party is how uh, far left she is compared to Joe Biden mm-hmm. and if what my thinking is about this is if uh, she were to run, then people who uh, are sort of in the middle who may not necessarily like Donald Trump might think to vote for him again because they might not agree completely with her values. And basically what I believe would be better um, or would would help the Dem- the Democratic Party get the presidential uh, office would be if they were to choose someone who's more moderate, because then 
they will get the vote of more moderates as well as people who are more extreme because then they will, you know, it's either someone who's moderate or Donald Trump and they probably wouldn't want to vote for Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That sort of is what I'm thinking. And that is uh, something, Brigham, that we hear from a lot of people in the Democratic Party, is it not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because you have um, have these candidates and it's kind of like, I think it's, the Democratic Party is more split this this time around than it has in the past because we have you know Biden who's very well known in the political sphere and has a lot of a, a reputation you know that we're seeing is is being challenged even, but um, he has to live up to that and people are voting for him because of that reputation. Then you have Elizabeth Warren and she's kind of this runner up that's kind of just like surprising people. That's what the article was written about, which it was kind of a surprise. And then, of course, Bernie Sanders, who's getting a little old. But, you know, honestly, I think that if his opinions are still still valid, if we should definitely not. I don't I don't think it would be fair to not vote for him because you think he's old. I think that it really just matters more on how you view his opinions and whether or not they align with yours. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, if I mean, I, I'm concerned for his health. I mean, like. As a president, so that's it's, a really... it's health, not age, that's yeah, relevant. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's more just like a president's role is a really hard one. You know, it's one that is very taxing. Um, but if he thinks he's up for it, and if, if I, I say let him, you know, like, because he has very strong opinions, as we've seen in the past um, debates and elections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he, he, he should in no ways be discounted for his age. Mm. Can I? Yeah. Was there any other thoughts on this topic? Oh, um, just going along with what Brigham said, I think that, in fact, he should be respected for that age because it creates a new perspective. It creates this perspective that I think someone of a younger age couldn't have the same life experience or wisdom. And so, like you were saying, I think it's we vote regardless of age and more about if they're capable of fulfilling the duties of the office. Can I stay in the area of politics, but politics and media? We saw some of you will know uh, Shep Smith, who uh, was one of the original reporters with Fox News when they first went on the air um, way back when. He left Fox News recently. But I want to ask you, and I'll start with you, Tyson. Do you have an opinion about his leaving Fox News? But the bigger question is, do you have an opinion about the president, President Trump's relationship with Fox News, which I think is something worthy of exploring? What's what's your thought about that? So I guess I'm going to have to be honest. I've not uh, paid much attention to this topic, so I probably wouldn't necessarily be the best person that's okay to ask, so. that's okay do you watch fox news at all um i do every now and then i try i'm try to use different news sources because good bias is you, you know every news source has a bias and it's better to look at different angles so but i yeah i have heard a, a bit about this but i sort of am still unsure like <sighs> any thoughts or any to draw a personal opinion. Yeah. I applaud your checking out different news sources. I think we'd all benefit from that. Do you have an opinion about this, Brigham? Um, I watched the the video, you know, when he actually kind of announced it. And the first impression I got from it was it was a very graceful way to leave the company. Mm-hmm. You know, there was I, I could I, especially with the media we have today, you could really expect someone to get mad or like try and make a big deal out, out of it. But it was very respectful. You know, he talked about how much he loved working at Fox News. And so I think it's interesting that kind of the rest of the world has made a huge deal, whereas Shep himself has kind of kept it just kind of more of a quiet thing. Yeah. Um, And I think almost that should be respected a little bit more because that's kind of how he wanted it to go down. And so, I mean, we should try and kind of align with that. Any thoughts about the president's relationship with that network? Um, You know, I I think that, you know, whenever a, a president gets involved in what the media is that's always a little scary you know because his opinions are are getting into the into the woodwork a little bit mm-hmm. and but i think it's important to note that no matter where you're going to no matter what news source it is there's always someone's opinion that's getting put into it uh, it's just you have to be careful about whose opinions are getting put into it and how much those are surfacing because i think any news source you go to is going to have some some agenda behind it. What do you make of this, please? I definitely agree with Brigham. Um, I believe that there's a lot of bias in every news source. Speaking as to his departure itself, um, I think that it was very honorable and very graceful. And I think that 
He was not seeking attention in the way that he left, but that he was just saying, hey, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm doing, and this is how I'm going to proceed forward. And I think that it's so easy for media to hype things up and to beg for a story and to beg for some, you know, juicy detail where there really isn't one. And I think that that's almost a distraction as to the truly important things going on and that we get so caught up in who did what and who said what when there are wars being fought and there are people starving and there are politics raging and tons of different scandals going on in D.C. And so... I value um, really going in depth into news and going in depth into media, but understanding that there's a bias and also understanding what, you know, the fact that they're not saying certain things. You're nodding in agreement What what she was speaking, Tyson. Well, I mean, I do agree, especially with the uh, with the news outlets wanting to dig up the dirt like you just you look at it, especially um, with the. Uh, democratic side trying to find reasons, you know, to to make Trump look bad. And I'm not to say that he, he is a you know a saint w- would be not true in my opinion. I but I do think that when you are trying to make find information or when you're trying to uh, uh, make up information uh, or fake news, as the president calls it, then that just validates. You know, the, it makes you look bad, and it makes them look better. It makes them look like a victim. And if you're trying, if you're honestly trying to point out the flaws that someone has, trying to come up with lies or trying to make things uh, things that aren't a big deal bigger than they are is not the right way to go. And that's just what my opinion on that is. I want to ask you about a health topic now, if you'd let me go there. Um, And there are two issues that are sort of connected. The first one was something that just as a mother, I couldn't couldn't stop staring at this picture. Um, Also, because I've known people that have had uh, drug addiction problems. But this was, I think you'd call this a meme. This was because it went viral. Uh, This was a picture that a mother shared of her son. These were two pictures, actually, taken seven months apart. One was her healthy son, seven months later, barely recognizable, her heroin-addicted son. Did you see this, Tyson, these two pictures? Yes, I did. Did you have any thoughts about that? Well, when I was actually first, when I just first heard about this story, um, I was just thinking that it it was, I guess, sort of an invasion of privacy, um, mainly because I didn't know the full details of it. Um, and now that I know the details, I mean, as far as we're aware, even uh, the son, because, you know, he's basically gone missing. Like, we still, uh, we don't know for sure whether or not he even knows about this. Um, I feel like, though, if, that if he's, he probably has to have by now. But um, what I'm just now thinking is, it, I it sort of hits, I think, more home to me about it. I've never had the desire to... Uh, do any drugs and I've never been in an environment like that and I'm very grateful for that but just knowing that this is uh, an example from a mother directly it's not just like a study it's because you see sometimes pictures of people of like different uh, organizations you know showing like maybe criminals you know who are in prison uh, like you know before they had were you know caught up in doing drugs and then after and that's that those in themselves are shocking but when you see this from the perspective of a concerned parent who is still has no idea where their child is, and when you see it in that light, it makes it more real, and it makes you understand that drugs don't just affect one person. It affects so many other people, and now even more so with this story especially because now there's so many people who are aware of this, and... That is something that just has stuck with me ever since I saw Mm. that. Jamie? I think from my perspective, it was just heart-wrenching because like Tyson was saying, it's easy to almost dehumanize, like, you know, take the human side out of this and to view it from a scientific perspective. But viewing it from the perspective of a mother, I guess for me, it just reminded me the importance of 
are on like of our society going as to why people are falling back on drugs because we can raise so much awareness about you know how to fight them or how to like try to get them out of our society and make tons of different laws but it's a supply and demand issue and if the, we do not cut the demand for drugs out then more cases like this will continue on and so i think that I applaud this mother's courage in sharing this because that's heart-wrenching and honestly a very vulnerable thing for a mother to do. And it made me realize if I ever see a homeless person or someone who might be on drugs, that's someone's son. Exactly. I look at that person differently now. What do you say, Brino? I just like very similar to what Jamie said. Just it was just so saddening to see, you know, I, I felt so bad for the mother who's been having to deal with this. I mean, that's seven months. That's not long, mm-hmm. but that is such a drastic change. Oh. And then it's, also, he was not rec- He had lost a hundred yeah. pounds. I mean, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, he was a good-looking guy. Before. He was a good-looking guy, um, stocky, good-looking guy. And then also just sadness for him because yeah. his life will never be what it was. Mm-hmm. And I hope that people who see that um, feel that same that same almost urgency to do something about it because it just is a testament to how dangerous and powerful drugs are. I would add to what Jamie said um, that I think it, it gives a responsibility to people to research into recovery programs and find out what they need to help these people back to a somewhat normal life. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, honestly, asked to ask anyone, um, I wonder how much they know about what it takes to really come back. Mm-hmm. If everyone knew a little bit more, we could really promise something to this this mother. On but a, we can't. A similar story. Um, you know, when I was growing up, long before you guys were born, um, when my generation watched Sesame Street, we watched and they dealt with what were difficult topics in the 60s and 70s. Back then, Sesame Street would talk about issues like divorce. And for us... It was like, wow, they talked about divorce because, you know, parents of our generation were starting to get divorced. And so we would be nervous about how to talk about it, but they talk about it on Sesame Street or they talk about, you know, other issues that were challenging because our parents didn't talk about it, you know, or but they talked about it on Sesame Street. So when I saw this story, I wanted to ask you guys, because there was a story about how Sesame Street is talking about opioid addiction. And this is the feedback I got on KSL. Some people said, how dare they? This is no, they have no business bringing up this topic. And other people said, thank goodness, because it gives the kids a way to approach a difficult topic. What say you, Brino? Um you know, when I saw it, I was I was really concerned because I thought, you know, like, I don't think this is something that kids can understand. And so I was like, I don't think they need to have this is like in front of their faces, literally. Um, but as I started looking at the content and what Sesame Street was actually doing, the character that they brought in and the story they were trying to tell, I was I was really, really happy about how they had addressed it. They didn't talk about specific complicated no. stuff. It was all very simple and all in terms that kids actually having to face this would understand. Mm-hmm. Because the it was a kid whose parent had to go to rehab, right? And I loved the example that they had. I thought it was really a touching story. That was a beautiful story about how a family can work through it. And I think that's the right way to work through it. Yeah, I, w- I was glad that they did it. What do you think, Tyson? So... Um, I was also, uh, when I first saw this, a bit concerned, and I my initial reaction was, how dare they? Um, but then I was sort of just reminded about, or just was thinking if uh, uh, Mr. Rogers did this, when then I would have not really had a problem. Like, I don't know, did, did either of you know Mr. Rogers? No, I didn't really? watch yeah. much, but... I, it- so I good stuff. I was introduced. I was sad that they're not doing it anymore, or that they didn't have it uh, aired on PBS Kids for uh, that long when I was young. But um, something that m- uh, Mr. Rogers was really no- well known for was for addressing difficult controversial topics, topics. difficult yes. topics, yes, but yes. and doing him in, in using simple terms and uh, ways that children would understand. He. Uh, was talking even about segregation at yes, one point in one episode and um, 
I some other different things that were I think at the time basically taboo. Like you think of he was really groundbreaking for entertainment, especially for kids shows. Like uh, that is people just think you normally you know you don't want to bother children with problems of the world, but I think we need to have the we need to understand that. This is the world they're going to grow up in, exactly. and it's already affecting them. It's all, yeah, it's already going to be affecting them, and we don't need to tell them, you know, just straight up, completely. This is the cruel world that you're going to grow up in, because that is just a terrible thing to do. However, we should introduce it to them or help them uh, understand that. Look, this is going to be. This is a tough world, and it is going to be difficult but there are different ways of coping and there are different things that you know there are people out there who care and i am very glad actually that sesame street is making the choice to do this that, that brilliant what, what did you think about this jamie well for starters whenever brigham and tyson speak holy cow they're and so you articulate um and i i agree 100 percent. of course i had my concerns because it is a difficult topic and as a future mother i definitely am going to be wary about what media my children are fed but after understanding where sesame street was coming from and the way that they portrayed the message it warmed my heart to see because I think people in um, this society view children as not affected by what's going on. And I think that they're, if they're too young to understand, then it won't affect them. But I mean, that's far from the truth and that they're affected by everything around them. And although if they can't fully understand things, they're still affected by them. Yes. I mean, my, my older son, um, well, my middle son, I should say, had a friend whose mother died from a drug addiction when he was in third grade. Now, this was something that, of course, affected Ethan, obviously his dear friend, and the entire class and school. Mm -hmm. So how do you talk about that? And how do... So we have to know that this is affecting our kids, and talk with them in a loving and supportive. That was a, a huge eye-opener for me, and I bet for so many parents. We have to love our kids through these difficult issues rather than it would be so much easier to put the blinders on and just think they don't know, they don't know, they don't know, but they do. Um, thank you for those comments. I want to ask you now, um, this week we had Columbus Day, but in many states and cities and places in the country, they call it Indigenous Peoples Day, specifically because they look at calling it Columbus Day as an insult to the fact that Columbus came and took land from the Native Americans in this country. Do you have an opinion about that, Jamie? You know, as a you know Caucasian female, um, I really don't have a lot of understanding of what it's like to be in that position and what it's like to be in that cultural. And I really can't speak for other cultures, although I do my best to understand and I do my best to, you know, see where they're coming from. I really can't speak as to how they feel. Um, And for me, it's obviously more than a name change. It's a culture and a mindset change. And it's a question of whether or not do we want our country to change their culture, like their culture and their mindset like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very open to exploring that option more. I'm very open to thinking about that further because I don't understand as much as as I would like to understand. But I do think that, you know, I think it's brave of those cities and those states to take on a change like that and to really be open to what their people need and what their people want. Mm. Tyson. So for me, when I see this, um, I forget how long ago it was when I first heard about heard uh, Columbus Day being called Indigenous Peoples Day. But at first I sort of thought that it was a joke, like a tongue-in-cheek joke. Um, and I... I was wrong, of course, because people t- take this very seriously. And um, I personally am unsure about how, like, the approach that um, this is taking, because it almost seems like that by changing the name of the day, we are trying to censor. We're trying to forget th- about 
everything like about uh, Christopher Columbus coming to the Americas and that is something that is a, a little bit disturbing for me because having any uh, history being censored from anybody is it's, should not happen ever um, and I know that it is important to understand that Christopher Columbus you know he and other uh, early explorers to the Americas they did not treat the uh, natives there very well but that is part of the history and I I do think though that it is a good idea to change the name to an extent but I do think that we should also understand that while changing the name we should also we should just keep in mind that it I I don't know what I'm trying Could to say. Could it be both? It, I know there was in the article that I had read there was a a state or a city that was naming it or that was was going to observe the both uh, Columbus Day and Indigenous Peoples Day on the same day huh. and that is something that I think is better um because not only are you uh observing Christopher Columbus and um him coming to the Americas but you are also you know acknowledging that there is a heritage of indigenous people and and that they were oppressed mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. my take on that what do you think Brigham? you know i think it's really interesting uh when i was growing up i always learned about columbus and and the thing is as i've grown up more i've learned some more things about columbus and not a, a lot of great things about yes, columbus right. more lately and the it's thing is, sad in a it, way, it is really for those sad. of us who come from a Caucasian background and, yeah. and used to idolize him. Mm-hmm. And when we learn the things that are not positive, there is a little heartbreak there, I think, yeah. for many, many of us. I think, though, as far as Columbus goes, um, there were some things he did that were pretty amazing. Yes. And I think that I've always seen Columbus Day as a celebration of those things. If you look at any person in history, they've done good things and a lot of them have done bad things as well. Um, I think that it's a good mindset to focus more on the good things. And and so I don't really, like, personally, I don't like Indigenous Peoples Day because I think, well, first, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. If, if you're celebrating the Indigenous people on the day that kind of started their demise, it's almost like celebrating someone's funeral. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. If you want, I, I think we should have someday set apart to celebrate the indigenous people, their cultures, and their history, which is so rich and amazing. Um, But I think as far as Columbus Day goes, it should still be Columbus Day, and we should focus on the things he did that were good and and recognize the things that were bad and learn from them. Mm, mm. Yes, please. No, I just agree with Brigham um, wholeheartedly there. I believe that you know, we need to really celebrate other cultures because America is a melting pot of cultures. And it's something that I think I'm really lacking in my life is that there's this, you know, American culture that's taken over. But what is that culture mm-hmm. if it's not the rich history of all the other cultures? And I like what Brigham said about, you know, celebrating someone's funeral, whereas, you know, we want to celebrate the good that Columbus did and acknowledge in a much more reverent and revered way, the heartache that he caused, yeah. rather than, and then we can set aside but another acknowledge day. it. Yes. I think that we should not, we should not, uh, you know, sweep it under the rug. We Most should definitely. acknowledge it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but also acknowledge the positive. There's good in having the information. Um, may I move on to, uh, I, I saw this interesting description of Generation Z. And I thought this is fascinating. Now, are you all Generation Z, or you're the you're, you're the generation after? Uh, I believe we're Generation Z. So. You're Generation Z. Based yeah. off of what the article said, I could. It was yes. like 1997, I think, to like 2006. Yeah, you'd have I to think. be Generation Z, wouldn't you? Yeah. All right. So I, I want to know to what extent you agree with the description in this article of Generation Z. So let me give you just a little bit of the description of it, and you tell me what you agree with. Um, generation Z is connected from birth, the first true digital natives, you are disconnected from your elders in that your elders don't know what a meme is. 
um, that we were talking about this before the show started, uh, that your, you know, your elders were not uh, connected from birth. Um, you need to experience firsthand the intensity of online friendships and romance, your elders, because that's where you live. You live in a world with the intensity of online friendship and romance with people you've never met, with bullying and trolling and shaming by strangers. And your parents and your elders don't get that. That is your world. Um, that you you are more likely to have never tried alcohol, that you uh, get your driver's license later in life. You are more likely to be social activists. You are more socially aware. Um, you are less equipped to handle uncertainty because you have Siri and Google Maps. You have always known where everything is. And so you are designed to eliminate ambiguity. You don't like not knowing things. You are, and I don't know what you think about this, you are scared and hypersensitive. You were raised during recessions, financial crises, war, and terror threats. You grew up after 9-11. So I want you each to comment on to the extent that you think those are the correct descriptions. I'm going to come to you first if you'd let me bring them. Yeah. Is that a correct <laughs> description of Gen Z? You know, it's really funny. I, I, I skimmed through this article at first yeah. and I, I stopped on the paragraph that says they're more likely to skim through articles. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, I think there's things that they've definitely nailed right on the head. Um, I think there are things in there that I don't necessarily agree with. I, I think that as far as being scared, like there are a lot of fears that we have had to face that no other generation has. Such as? Um, like terrorism. terrorism. That's like a big one. Our whole lives, we've had to deal with that. Um, online like threats and bullying, that's something that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very real to us. And there's an emotional connection to the internet for us. And, and so there's definitely fears. But then also, I feel like, at least for myself, I've, I've felt a lot of, I don't know, empowerment and... And I don't know, uh, responsibility and the ability to to do stuff for myself because I get to see how my my decisions can affect people through the Internet because we're connected. And so while I, I do have these fears, I also feel like I have the tools to deal with them. Um, so that's something I would say is different. That's I think it's exciting. I think with a lot of descriptions that I've read about Generation Z, they get a lot of the facts really right. You know, we are really connected. We have all those things are very true. But I think the conclusions that they draw are often a little skewed, which is I think a lot of times they say that they are unable to cope with things. They are not prepared. They have really short attention spans. So that's that's bad. But really, I think that the conclusion I draw is that we're different and we're facing a very different ro- world. Um we may not be able to deal with some of the stresses that they had to deal with in the past, like not knowing where McDonald's was. Um, <laughs> but we don't have to face those because we do have the Internet. And so, yeah, we may not be able to face uncertainty, but it's because we're living in a world where uncertainty isn't as big of a problem. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, what do you say, Tyson? For me, um, I sort of drew a blank for a second there. Um this, I do agree. Uh, some most articles do get some points correct, uh, but like uh, Brigham did say, there every generation is different, and you'll you know every generation will have parents who don't understand you know the new things that the kids are doing and so on, especially nowadays. Um, and so uh, to say that. I guess I just don't like stereotypes anyways because I look at um, – it says that we were connected from birth. I still have a flip phone to, for, first off. Like I don't even like um, – I've never really had much of a desire to invest in anything else. Like the, the highest thing that I have technologically is an outdated iPod. So that can access the internet but very slowly. So I've, been, I've um, not been connected for quite a while now and so – um, I guess that's just my own opinion, um, I, and that's not the looking at the broader picture. But I um, feel like because we have grown up in a world where technology is so prevalent, we can learn how to 
manage it through trial and error as opposed to people who haven't grown up with it if you because i have seen many adults who i i feel like honestly they might even be more so um on you know on their devices more than uh kids because it's new to them and, and i guess they're so fascinated by it as but then there's us and we've grown up with it our entire lives and it just completely is just how it is and so I mean, to be fair, you will always have people who have addiction to screen time, um, to screens and stuff. Like I know many people who are my our age, they do have, uh, they can't put their phone away, or they do get anxious when they, you you know, when they have to turn it off or when they have to leave it. But I do also think that through trial, trial and error, we have also learned how we can, uh, better cope in a world you know without it that's just mm-hmm. how i feel about that and that's the point that i think is was most interesting awesome. jamie well i will say amanda one fear i've never faced is not knowing where mcdonald's is so i guess i'm very <laughs> blessed in that aspect <laughs> oh, that's good. um i think as the description there's a lot of things that are spot on and there's a lot of things that are very positive um, descriptions. I feel as though my generation gets very targeted and that we get very like, oh, you're always on your devices, you're always this, you're always that, and, you know, this is what you should be and this is what you're not. Whereas, you know, it talks about us being more politically involved or more us more aware, and that's because of our devices. That's because of social media. I can't tell you the amount of times that I'm scrolling through Instagram and there's a post about, you know, some something about the UN, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I want to go to study that. And then I go and I research more and I get to understand more because of my devices and because of the technology that is given. Um, And I honestly feel so blessed to live in a world where there is so much media, even though there are definitely negative types to that. And there's definitely lots of, you know, bad things that can come from so much technology around but I mean, even, you know, sitting in this, you know, news re- like recording room and being able to be here with you, this wouldn't be available if there wasn't technology and we wouldn't have a platform to share our opinions. And so I think that that's a wonderful description and not everything in it is true, at least for me personally. But I think overall, I just take a really grateful um, view on being a part of this generation where technology is so available. I love your generation. Can I just say that? I think your generation (laughs) is brilliant. And I think part of it is because you have instant access to information. So, you know, back in the day when I was your age and older, we would just not know the answer. (laughs) And we would either, you know, wait forever until we got the answer or we would accept not knowing. You get the answer like that and it becomes part of your knowledge. And so I think you are. You're just getting smarter and smarter. Um, sticking with memes for a second, there was this. I want to ask you about this horrible, and I know the time is, is nearly gone. I want to ask you about this horrible meme um, that came up of President Trump. It was cre- it was a fake video, this meme, that showed the president um, brutally attacking um, members of the Democratic Party, members of the media, members of the Republican Party. I think in that part of the meme showed him attacking Mitt Romney and John McCain and Bernie Sanders and, and even the, I think he was attacking a comedian, Kathy Griffin, in there too. Um, it was, and so it, it puts his likeness on top of this attack scene from a movie. It's all, it was awful. It was just awful. Um, and it was showed at Mar-a-Lago, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um at some conference. Um, so as of the taping of this program, the president himself has not tweeted anything about this meme. But the White House did say that uh, he strongly condemned it. So we heard that from the White House, but not from him personally. What's your take on that? Well, if for, you would, Tyson. For me, um, if... I do think that even if he does say something, that you'll he, there will still be people who will think that he was somehow involved in it. Even though it was like from a YouTube account th- um, that, as far as I'm aware, has no ties to him. No ties to him. No ties at all. None. So these was, are Trump supporters. Trump but as supporters. far as as far as I'm aware, and that's that's another t- uh, point that completely baffles me. Is it's a video showing the president of the United States murdering people who disagree with him but it's 
but it was made by a group of supporters. Like that seems, it seems like that it's a confusing uh, type of depiction that first that you want to show somebody that you're supporting. Like it, I, I would personally think if I was trying to make somebody look, you know, look good, I would not. I certainly would not want to do, you know, show something of them killing other people. Like even if it's like satire or something like that. And I I do believe that that's honestly just what it was. I don't think there was any threats or anything like that. Um, but still, it is very disturbing being able just seeing that and knowing that that was made by people who are trying to or who who like the president. Mm-hmm. That's some like I said that, that still is very confusing to me. It seems like something that would be against the president, in my opinion. It shows in part, does it not, that we live in a strange yes, time? It, it does. Yeah. Please go ahead if you would. Um, yeah. It, it was. It's really interesting. It, it almost seemed like they were proud of it. You know. Yes, um, because I would say they were that. Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. You know. They were proud of the fact that he would be. I mean, I'd, I'd assume it was representing like destroying them in debates. And it wasn't and the like only that. video of this nature on mm-hmm. their site, there are, there as far as I'm aware. Plenty out there. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, the the media has really made it a really popular. I mean, everyone has heard about this, and now I, that, I wonder. That, that makes me want to ask you a question. Should I not have brought it up? You because know, I'm giving them more publicity in doing so. <laughs> It's a good question. And like on YouTube, it doesn't matter if people don't like your video. They're still watching it, giving you views. Um, but I think I think it is important to discuss things that come up. Um, but at some point, you do need to decide these these people are going to keep doing this and we need to start ignoring them. Um, and I think that for me, part of that um, is why I don't really I don't I don't blame Trump for having an official opinion. Because um, he hasn't come out with something, but I wouldn't expect him to have an opinion about everything that people say he uh, assume about him, you know, because like, I mean, when it's a big deal, he should have an opinion about it. But this is a YouTube channel. It's no way official. This is completely it's it's clear that it's just fabricated. And I I think that in a way he would be justified in saying, look, I'm just going to ignore it because I don't want to give it the voice it's trying to get. Mm -hmm. What do you say? My thoughts um, initially and still are that it's revolting and honestly shameful. Um, I have a really hard time believing that a supporter of a political candidate could make a video like that in support because I'm so anti-violence myself and I really genuinely believe that this is... This is something that I really wish hadn't come up. And I really wish that humanity hadn't taken such a sick twist on something. And that's a very negative perspective. Um, but I also believe that um, that something needs to be done when it comes to our perspective and a way that we feel like we can voice our opinions. Because there are so many healthy outlets to voice our opinions. And media has given us, you know, social media has given us such an opportunity to use it for good. And I really hope that the creators of this video will take the heat that they're given and learn that there are better, more healthy, more respectful, and diplomatic ways to voice their opinions. Because I think that's something our culture needs. Okay, so so before I let you go, let me ask you this last unplanned question. How do you communicate with someone you disagree with strongly? My thoughts are, I mean, I'm a debater. That's just, I spend so much time um, in dif- like different courtrooms and different classrooms debating. And debate is a wonderful way to communicate. But I think when it comes down, what it comes down to is empathy. For me personally, it comes down to listening before you speak. And then as you listen and you try to understand, then you're given new insight of how to speak to that person in terms that they will understand. You're given new insight into how to respect someone's opinions and how to respect like them, even if you don't agree with them. And so it comes from having respect for yourself. And then, of course, the golden rule is always treat others how you wish to be treated. Do you ever feel, as that person is talking, a, a pain in your chest like, ooh, I could be wrong, and that hurts? Most definitely, especially with my parents. I mean, my parents and I work a lot on communicating and a lot on, like, you know, trying to understand each other's point of views. And sometimes they'll say something and I'm like, whoa, maybe I wasn't thinking about that right. But then I reminded it's such an opportunity for growth. 
And if I had just attacked them, then I never would have had that opportunity for growth. So coming from a place of empathy, then you grow. And it's about you, and it's not about the other person. So what happens then, Tyson, if you're listening to someone or talking to someone with whom you really disagree, and the thought occurs to you, this person is an idiot? You can't say that. You, you could. Don't. You could say that. No, no. It, I mean, I mean, you in, could. You, you could. could. People it would not, are it would not more go and more. Well. Yeah. People are more and more saying and that, exactly that, especially on social and media. Is, and you, I saw especially prevalent, uh, very much so in in the 2016 uh, elections, you would see people basically shouting off people uh, who disagreed with them. Uh, and it was just absolute chaos. People call I me could... an idiot every day in social media. They do. I... And that is something that I've learned to take in and realize they're not te- saying anything really about me. They're, ge- they're telling me something about themselves. Something that I've uh, learned early on, like you see also in comments of YouTube videos for the, for those stupid for the stupidest of things like usually the things that you can can be it can be anything from you know political things to whether or not this actor in a movie was good yes exactly and, it's, and people are just so hateful but what you but what i've just just had to tell myself um is if it's on if especially if it is uh over the internet you're probably not going to change someone's opinion and if you and if it's getting to a point even if you think that they are you know they have no merit of what they're saying there's if they are being very stubborn and if they are if they are like starting to cuss you out or if they are uh insulting you they're they're not in a position to reason or to see your point of view and you should take a step back because perhaps you're also in the same uh you were also doing the same thing and the best thing to do in those situations is to take a step back and say, all right, agree to disagree or something like that, and then just leave it at that. And as long as you can do that, it I've, I've seen it many times, and I've done it many times um, online, it, it just, you know, you just, I guess, go your separate ways, and that's the end of that. I feel that the best way to uh, get your point across is to have calm collective conversations and I wish more so that people would do that because I I dislike so much seeing people dehumanizing others. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Have you ever been bullied online? Um, Like do you mean like just I don't know what I mean. I'm (laughs) I think most people um, have been in some really ways. most most people your age have I, been. I would you're say all so. I would say so. Um, and it's I've never been bullied uh, online by people who I know in person. Um, it's always been pe- by That's people. Interesting. Uh, I, I'm grateful that I'm not because I I can't imagine that being that seems like such a personal level. However, um, it, uh, I have been. Uh, by you know pe- other people who I don't even know, and if uh, and like I said, I have just tried to resort to trying to you know see or express my beliefs, and then go your separate ways. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. express my beliefs, and then see if they can also calmly express theirs. And mm. and I, you know, they, people do say things that are enraging, and if. They do. You just got to try to remember to take a step back and be the better person. Speak to me, Brigham. Um, you know, it's really interesting talking online, whether it's commenting on YouTube videos or emailing back and forth or anything. It's really interesting because you are it's not a face to face interaction. Um, and I think what it comes down to, I've noticed that there's two different types of like debate that you get into. And one is where you're you're debating with the other person, trying to convince them of your opinion and the other is where you're debating with them just so that the people watching see that there's the the two sides. If you're in like a YouTube comment section, someone posts something you disagree with, you comment not necessarily because you're wanting to disagree with them, but because you want other people to see what you think is the truth. And I think it's important to understand that difference because if you're in a a, a, a position where you're just attacking someone just because you want to convince them, 
you'll very quickly find that in a lot of cases, they're not ever going to be convinced. And so at that point, I think, like has been said, you know, dropping it is the, the, the best course of action. But I think that when you are trying to get your truth heard, it is important to, like, put down your facts and what you you believe to be true so other people can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important not to get heated because that doesn't help your side. It, it makes it so that other people think that you're almost, you're almost validating the other side mm-hmm. when you're doing that. As far as bullying goes online, um, I think that it happens so much, especially in comment sections and forums. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't know. I don't have never, I've never had anyone like bully me over email or something like that. Um, it's always a comment. It's always but my a husband tells section. me not to read the comments on my Facebook you know, page. And honestly, but, I mean, and he'll say, if he idea. ever comes into the bedroom and I'm crying, he'll say, you are reading the comments. You are re- Will you stop that? Stop <laughs> reading the comments. And I'll say, but these are my friends. But those are not your friends, Meta. Those are your mm. fans. There's a difference. But they care about me. No, they do not. They do not care about you. <laughs> but I feel like I need to connect because, but he's right. Once in a while, I only dip in and try and connect once in a while. But if it gets too cruel, you know, like mm-hmm. you were talking about, yeah. then I dip back out. And it's, it's interesting because like there's very much, it's, it's very complex how it works. Every forum has its own almost language that they're speaking in. And depending on where you are, um, it, you'll find that some some people are completely comfortable in these very hateful forums or hateful comment sections. And that's just, they've learned to cope with it. I don't think that's a good thing, but, um, but it is interesting. Just like be careful about where you are, what you're saying, who you're saying it to keep that in mind. And as long as you're trying to either share your own opinion or constructively Mm. try and help someone understand something, I mean, then you're okay. Otherwise I'd, I'd avoid it. Last word to you. Anything else? I mean, I think that they summed up a lot of it. I think that when it comes to over-the-internet interaction, you're never going to change someone's opinion. It's um, a process of individuals discovering their own truth. So, yes, like Brigham was saying, you give your truth and you give as much information as you can. But if it's targeted to one individual, then you're never going to achieve that goal. And so share your truth and be the light that you can. But if, you know, they disagree, then they disagree, and that's where they're at. This little light of mine. Um Jamie and Tyson and Brigham, will you please come back and, and do this again with me? Definitely. Of course. Yes. Thank you. This is Through Your Eyes on KSL News Radio.